This is a Working With Warriors podcast by the team at the Regional Men's Health Initiative. G'day and welcome. My name's Terry Melrose and today we follow on with our series of conversations around suicide. Now we take the conversation to another level. We are lucky enough to be joined by a bloke who has a lived experience of suicide and has agreed to tell us his story and share some of his insights he has gained through his journey. Now, we always say everyone's story is their own. It's a unique experience, but it's also important to acknowledge, and and this is a quote from one of our our peak um, suicide prevention bodies, those with lived experience can contribute to and enhance community understanding of suicide and its impacts. They are strong advocates to include in suicide prevention planning and conversation. They can help reduce stigma and improve our knowledge of this issue within society. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today and good mate, Marty Grant. Good morning, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks very much for coming in and joining us, Marty. And as usual, we're joined by my old stable mate, RMHI Senior Community Educator, Owen Cadet. Yeah, good on you, Terry, and cheers to Marty. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Hey, listen, when we talk about self-care, um, guys, it's just very important that we just say to people out there and that it's a very difficult subject for us to speak about and and we just need to remind everyone that's listening you know if it brings up any painful thoughts about suicide or impacts on your mental well-being individually just make sure that you know what support to get and there is lifeline out there 13 11 14 men's line australia 1300 789 978 and if you're in a crisis it doesn't matter what crisis a road accident or or anything around our mental health and well-being, always crisis call is is triple zero. Um, and I guess it's a good reminder that we've, all of us, I reckon, have in some way been impacted by suicide. And important that we look after ourselves in difficult and challenging times, Marty. And that's an ongoing type of legacy how we need to live to to stay in a safe place. Very much so. It's no different than uh, keeping the maintenance up on your motor vehicles. Uh, very, very important to do that. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck on the side of the road. Well, yeah, it's the same thing with your health, your mental health included. It's uh, yeah, you got to put a fair bit of effort into that to keep on keeping on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been one of our our main messages through this podcast series and in the work we do. That that responsibility on ourselves to to take a a bit of that personal responsibility and take action. Now, Marty, back in two thousand and twelve. I think it was. Uh, I'm not sure how good your memory is, but that's when our initial Working With Warriors DVD series, you told us your powerful story about your battle with suicidal thoughts and I suppose what was the beginning of of your fight with some pretty significant depression in your life. Um, So your affiliation with Wheatbelt Men's Health has gone, dated back over 10 years. Um, What's your memory of those initial dealings with Wheatbelt Men's Health, we were called back then, and um, being asked to share, I suppose, what were some pretty personal and intimate feelings and stories and experiences? Yeah, Yes, back at that stage, I was um, dealing um, with Julian Craig a fair bit. Um, he's a bloody brilliant man, brilliant mind. Um, uh, he gave me the opportunity to speak in our local country club um, feature on the Working with Warriors DVD. Um, part of the um, uh, the reason that I came about and getting involved with the men's health was through the help f- that I had from our local silver chain nurse in Beacon. Um, initially, when I sort of presented myself to the 
the silver chain and said, look, I'm having these thoughts. Oh, I really need some help. So that that's where that started. Uh, pretty important, Marty. And I guess when we talk with someone that's struggling with suicidal thoughts and or dealing with what we call significant distress or situational distress, as blokes, we're really good at masking the issues and, um, and our emotions. And we talk about going in our cave and blokes will not necessarily do drug, sex and rock and roll, but will talk less and work harder. And what were your, say, original warning signs? Well, I would say that I would have spent more time working. You become a recluse. You don't go out. You almost feel that you'll infect other people with <laughs> with, with your state of mind if, you know, things were yeah. so shit for you that everyone else might become shit because they're in your presence. Uh, but then that's one it's, of the funny things about um, yeah. depression and um, the, those sort of mental health issue with depression is uh, at the end of the day you're responsible for putting those own thoughts in your mind and your mind's a very powerful thing. Uh, I read some books on cognitive therapy whilst I was in hospital in Meriden when I eventually went in over there. Uh, by the time I finished reading this book, um, I thought, uh, geez, I've been a bit of a dickhead. <laughs> I've actually been putting a lot of stupid stuff in my mind that wasn't even true. It's you overgeneralise things and uh, and you can work yourself into a into a bit of a knot unnecessarily. I'm sort of very fortunate that that I came upon that that book who was given to me by a nurse in hospital who I actually actually went to school with their kids in Cajun up years ago, so it was all tricky how that un- unfolded. Sounds like it was a, quite isolating. You were sort of trapped in your own yeah, yeah, thoughts. Yeah, and... you put yourself in your own personal prison. Mm. You, you know, you become a recluse, you don't go out, you don't see anybody, you you work hard to avoid seeing people and it's sort of, for blokes, it's a bit of a coping me- mechanism is just keep <laughs> on working. But um, no, uh I think for me, uh, working hard, and and my one of my main problems was sleeping at night. I couldn't get to sleep. You lay in bed and mentally ruminate and just go over and over and over things. And fatigue is one of the things that uh, has the biggest impact. If if you're um, going through really bad depression and you get to a stage where you lose a lot of sleep and fatigue. After a while, you just want it to stop, you, and you and you're sick of thinking about the same stuff going over it and over it, and and you just want it to stop, and you get tired. We've probably all been uh, on a trip overseas or something, and we've had to go in airports and get a connecting flight, and we got up early in the morning. We can all be a mean bunch of bitches when we don't have a lot of sleep, but when you're fati- fatigued, sleep deprived, you can make some pretty irrational decisions, thoughts. All that sort of thing. So for me, I went through that the hard working um, lack of sleep for for a, a fairly long period and self medicating. I'm not too embarrassed to say that I used to indulge in a bit of a chuff and a few beers, light you up like a Christmas tree, and keep drinking. Worst thing was most of it's by yourself. You might start off with a couple of mates. And then you're up by yourself, but you would do that so that you could pass out and go to sleep. 
So using drugs, alcohol, whatever to be able to sleep is is not helping the no, cause. And how, how long do you reckon you're in that space for, Marty? When you say uh, uh, quite a while, we're talking weeks, months. Probably, probably months. I imagine. Yeah. And the other thing that always resonates with me is I've, I've seen your story on our personal DVD uh, a number of times and I'd like to encourage everyone to check out our, our website, regionalmenshealth.com.au and on our videos, there's a whole heap of great individual stories, including Marty's. But you spoke about, you know, and I know you're, you're a pretty happy-go-lucky, easy, social fella, but you say in that DVD you became totally the opposite person you yeah. used to be. Yep. Mm. Uh, so it's that changes to our normals. The other thing we talk about, isn't it, Owen? Exactly. You know, when we have Wheatbook Men's Health might come in and have a barbecue and have a yarn, it's the blokes that don't turn up to those dudes and other dudes are the, uh, dudes are the ones that you need to be driving out in the ute a couple of years and saying, you're going all right? What's the scoop? You know, how are you? Sort of thing. <clears throat> That's when you notice blokes who are normally out and about are starting to miss Things Miss a few things, they're not going to go, but we're, we're also bloody busy in our lives and businesses now. I've been thinking about it quite a bit lately. I've actually been calling in a bit, a random call in and say good day to someone like we used to do in the old days and didn't think much of it, but I've been making the effort to do it a bit lately because I think it does make a difference, and if anything, it makes a difference to your own personal health. Absolutely, mate, that primary care... Um, Marty works both ways. And I guess just uh, we wanted to ask as well about the industry talks about risk factors and we acknowledge the risk factors around gender, so blokes, rural blokes, remote men, Aboriginality, mental illness, there's many more. But we talk about the damn wall effect and the building up of shitty events in our life um, that can lead us to feel on the edge and, and hanging on to that bottom run of the ladder where suicide is a viable option for all. All blokes, it's a, it's a, it's an option in the toolbox. That situation for you is that that was similar. But oh, yes, that was similar. And you know, you can have uh, things like relationship failures, um, seasonal conditions, um, and once again, fatigue. Fatigue. I can remember when I sort of I got a bit of another bout of depression was when I was leasing my farm and then. We had that dry year in 2007 and eight, I think it was, and I went out to Woody Woody and worked on the manganese mine. So I was working on my farm on my week off. Then I'd go up there, do a week of days, and then do a week of nights, come home buggered, and then have to race around my farm and go back to work again. Didn't leave much time for family or, or rest or anything. And then I actually went and saw old... Um, Dr. Radanovich, bless his soul, and he said to me, if I had the power to ban night shift, I would because he said it's the worst thing for yep. your um, mental health is doing night shift. I just want to pick up on a point we were talking about be- before we started recording this <laughs> podcast, Marty, but it was a- you got to that point of suicide. Oh, for and- sure. And you were there and it was bloody decisions are made and we speak to a lot of people that have both attempted suicide and, and come out the other side, thankfully, and like yourself, which is bloody good. Can you explain those those significant reasons that, you, that you're still with us today? Well, I, my, I, I sort of thought 
Jesus, I'm sick of uh, not having any sleep and continually thinking about the same thing and, and not getting anywhere, you, you physically cannot stand it anymore and you convince yourself there's only one way to turn this off and to stop it. That's what that's how it was for me. Might not be the same for everybody. But and I stopped for a minute and I thought to myself, holy shit, then all my family and friends and everyone in the community are going to be left feeling exactly the same way I was feeling at the time. Um, that was a trigger for me to go, come on, you dickhead. You need to go and get some help and, and get this sorted. So that's I packed some gear in my bag and I drove in a town in the silver chain and saw the nurse and said, look, this is where I'm at. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Bloody powerful stuff, mate, and um, and and the fact that you're still here and you and you say all the time that you had once you had that realization and you took yourself in, which is a, which is a real rare thing for blokes to to self triage for want of a better word, but to, is really powerful. And then you have ongoing uh, you had ongoing support that immediate support around you and for a fair while. Yes, and uh, like I said before, one of the the main things of support, I, I did speak to a few counsellors, but um, that, that cognitive therapy book that I came upon through that uh, nurse in over in hospital in Meriden, uh, it, it described and made me understand all the thoughts that I had. It was like a bloody owner's manual to a new car. <laughs> It, blokes are fantastic at getting a new piece of gear and throwing the instructions over the shoulder and putting it together and then the missus comes along and she's Googled how to put the rest of it together, as they do. But this cognitive therapy book was it was similar to an instruction manual and it's a bit like putting whatever it is together and then finding the vital part you need and then thinking, you dickhead, I should have done that earlier. Well, that was much the same as this book was. Um, shit, I can't even remember the name of the author. I'll, I'll think of it a bit later on. He was an American fella. Yep. But he had all these terms for all these feelings and names, uh, which I read them, and and it just... When you lay at bed at night and you're mentally ruminating, thinking about all these shit things that are the trigger points of of a suicide or potential suicide and part of your depression, I guess, is is all this thinking is not knowing answers to your thoughts, but the, if you can understand. But this cognitive therapy book helps you get insight into some of the answers, why you're feeling this way, why you're thinking like that. And uh, I think I've said it before, it made me feel like a real dickhead. Well, and we hear from blokes saying, you know, putting up your hands one thing, but taking that step and going, getting some help is the next. And we do acknowledge in regional, rural, remote WA, those sort of services you can just walk into. Yep. You know, you mentioned Silver Chain, which are a great resource out there. The nurses are a great asset to communities. It might be a, a local priest, a counsellor, a mate. There might be a counsellor. It might be calling us here at Regional Men's Health. But what was that sense of relief sort of once someone put it in perspective for you, mate? How, how, And what would message would you say to other blokes out there who might be hanging on to either that 
shame or embarrassment or guilt or just fear of the unknown? Oh, don't fanny about. Get into it and um, get yourself sorted straight away. Like, go and go and get some help. Go and talk to someone. Let them know how you're feeling. Um, look, it'll get sorted. It's it's like me and my bloody bulldozers every time they break down. Um, I've learnt to say to myself now, it will get fixed and we will get moving again. And it's very much the same as yourself. You, you, you know, the only way, there's no point standing around throwing spanners and getting wild, that's going to get nothing done. You've got to start getting into it and fix the machine. You're the machine, you've got to start working on yourself to sort the problem. Look, that's really important. I love that analogy, Marty and, and man and machine and, and with our mental health we've got a long way to go because as as blokes we've been hit on the head about having this emotional connection and um, it's just really important that we understand that we've got we're allowed to feel these emotions we're allowed to feel like shit we're allowed to grieve we're allowed to be sad we're allowed to be happy and then we've we can analyze the reason the reasons why because um, that's what makes us tick um one thing I've thought about a lot that helped me move forward in life and that is you need to learn to love yourself. And I don't mean getting around kissing yourself in front of the mirror. <laughs> well, you need to you need to learn to love yourself so that you can accept yourself, be happy with your lot yourself so that you can move along through life. Oh, that, that's a real important point, Marty. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's not scripted, mate. That is bloody that is yeah. gold and that is what we we have to put ourselves first yep. to be out, and then we have to be able to love ourselves and put ourselves in this good picture yep. to be able to because we've got to be able to help ourselves. Then we can help those people around us. Exactly, and, and learn to love yourself. A measure of a man is not his wallet. <laughs> and be humble, yep. and be happy and contented <laughs> with what you are good at in life. And yeah. and that goes on too. Sorry, Marty, for like enjoying each day. Yep. I talk a fair bit about smelling the roses and, and we wake up each day and, and, wow, we're here. Like it's a really powerful thing to actually enjoy. So that's enjoying the journey. The journey's not about the end point. The journey's about bloody how we live each day. and um, Experiences in between, yeah. Look, and, I, and I reckon that leads us into, Marty, the primary care. And I we push primary care in our model and that's ordinary people supporting each other and the most important part of that is us having a conversation. And you said earlier on that you'll pick up the phone and speak to someone. There is less of us out in regional West Australia and regional Australia. So so having that conversation, reaching out, and we know that we can help nine out of ten people by primary care and having that conversation and, and how, you, how you're going. And we've had a lot to do with community events in your area, Marty, in, in good times and bad. And um, do you reckon there's a little bit of a change or or we're still we're still leading a change for people one to talk about their mental health and well-being and we know we've still got a long way to go to talk about suicide. We feel as though it's changing, but what's what's your gut feel? I think there is more people being more open in discussion about mental health. I certainly have I mean, I have a lot of customers around the wheat belt. Uh, you know, I get blokes uh, all ages, but even older men come up to me and they might have seen my DVD 
and they'll have a little powwow out in the paddock with me and then they'll reveal their story. And, you know, it's not that long ago that no old blokes would have ever, they would have been real staunch, they would have never said anything about that. But now, but now when, you, when you've got older generational guys coming up and having a yak to you about that and spilling guts, you sort of think, holy shit, this is good. No, this is re- this is really good. That's really, really, really powerful, Marty. And I, I talk about, and I know we talk about Terry about having a safe place. That it's a myth that blokes don't talk, and we don't talk as much as ladies, and we don't talk about our emotions. But if you give a bloke a safe place, buy your bulldozer, buy a truck under a tree after a game of footy in the bowling club in the park or whatever, they will spill their guts, and and it's different for everyone. But that primary care role is exactly how you described when you have discussions with people like discussions i have you might not be able to a hundred percent solve somebody's issue or problem for them but just for them to be able to unload and talk about it eases a bit of that issue that in itself is good the more communication with people other people will throw in you know little steps in their journey and how they went about things or things that they did so at the end of the day is going to ease a bit of that burden before we spoke about those uh, straws on camel's backs what make people break well that uh, through conversation, some of those bits of straw can be uh, unloaded. Well, and we we talk about um, people are around us are our lifeline, don't we, Owen? You know, those people around us are our, our best and freest forms of support. Um, it is a double-edged sword because when you are in that depressive, self-loathing mode, you remove yourself from those people. But, you know, it's just that reminder that we all can make a difference, reconnect, Check in on each other. Um, really important stuff, Martin. And and I do like to acknowledge that there are people out there who who may not feel like going to someone they know. So I think it is just that really important reminder that you know when we're struggling with suicidal thoughts, grief and loss, anything, any life issue that's causing us some pain, um, there are you know that the plethora of helplines out there through your GP, your mental health care plan, and, and if I can just remind, you know, Men's Line Australia, 24-7 support line, uh, 1-300-789-978. Something else I'd like to, to add through personal experience is, is, the, is the after effect of a suicide. We, we've got to live this firsthand and uh, we sort of... Well, we're going through it now, along with a whole bunch of other people in the community, and uh, yeah, to see very close friends just just get demolished by it is uh, it's indescribable. So, uh, to anyone who's ever sort of going down that road of suicidal thoughts, you really think hard about everyone that's left behind. That damage is is far greater than the damage you think that you're dealing with at the time. Now, and that, that pain for people, that grief and loss is real and, and it is important we acknowledge it. Unfortunately, we don't have control so often over people's decision 
and actions, but those people living with that grief and pain, um, it is important that, you know, um, we acknowledge that it is an ongoing thing. Grief's an individual journey, and, and, and if people are overwhelmed or, or struggling with that loss, just an important reminder for them to, to, to reach out. There is support and, and specific help available. Because we do know, you know, grief when you lose your do- dog's very different to the complex grief around a suicide and all yeah. the range of emotions people can feel. Yeah, exactly. I, don't I mean, for us at the moment, it's sort of, I don't know, I suppose it, it, will, it will be a life sentence for us that are left, de- definitely, I think. Uh, someone who passes away through old age, uh, yeah, eventually you'll, You'll get through the grief and you'll move on, but then someone who's died unnecessarily—that's just yeah. There's constant reminders daily, um, and and they are hard to get past. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, you have to have a bit of self-discipline. I suppose in that when you start thinking about that too much, you've got to stop yourself thinking about that too much. In a way, but but it's there. It's it's like a, a a wound that doesn't really heal. It's a scab can come off pretty easily when when there's reminders. Yep, yep. Now, we talk about that grief like the waves in the ocean, isn't it? Some days it's it's just the the little ripples we can feel and sense, and and other days it can be that overwhelming, you know, the big surf crashing over our head, and it is. It is pretty pretty tough. So well, and I've had that conversation with a, a number of blokes that have attempted their life, Marnie, and one of the the things that they've deliberated on in discussion with them is is who they were leaving behind and why they were leaving behind, but the pain that they were in surpassed their perceived pain of the ripple effect. And it's uh, pretty powerful what you said. Yes, I know in my situation that pain that I was in through lack of sleep and constantly mentally ruminating and bloody self-administering <laughs> with God knows what, um, that does stop you rationally yep. thinking. I was just fortunate enough that I still had a bit of r- uh, rational thinking there to, to move forward in the right direction and and get on top of it. It is a really tough uh, subject to tackle, and once again, mate, we, we appreciate your honesty and for sharing your story, and, and for anyone out there listening, we hope it can help uh, empower people to take a bit of that responsibility in their life, in seeking help, in making some change. We wish you all the best and look forward to an ongoing uh, friendship and relationship yeah. with you out and about, mate. Yeah, it's... Um no worries at all. I bloody enjoy coming down here and uh, catching up with you blokes. Uh, good on you. Thank- thanks, Marty. Okay. Cheers. Thanks for listening to our Working With Warriors podcast series. 